that sound weird? Or is this just these headphones? Cl- if anything, it's because I need it you're up a hearing bit. your yeah. self-talk. That's why. Oh, it's like I haven't done one of these before. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if you get a bit closer... So, yeah. Dave, you see this like, little round fuzzy thing in front yeah. of you? You want to sort of talk into that. Is yeah. this the microphone? That's right. Watcher, and welcome to the Little Film Podcast. My name's Adam, and with me tonight we have Dave. Hello. Ollie. All right, mate. And Tony. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> was that your Michael Caine impression? No. <laughs> Tom Courtney. I swore I was out of the podcasting game, but I've been lured back in <laughs> for one final job. I've got the you, you three bungling nitwits alongside me to try and pull it off. Now. <laughs> That's, that wasn't, what was that? Who was Out that of the context, Ray Winston. <laughs> Just you saying the word now yeah. as Ray Winston. Can anyone do your Michael Caine? Because mine's oh, not bath. great. Come on, you do a good thing. Yeah. It's not great. I can do a sort You'll of. You'll have like, to give it a bash. Yeah. Right, yeah. Kerr, yeah. can you do one? I, no, I'm not even going to try. Can you do Hello and Welcome to Little Film Cup podcast <laughs> as Michael Caine? I really can't do it's, a Michael Caine. I can Kane. do. I, I can't really do the sort of. Uh, peak career Kane okay. like I can do more like Bryden does yeah. in the trip that like um, the more established uh, over the years I could do Michael's Winston. voice has come down it's so not bad that's, oh, that's, that's not exactly bad, what he's like in the, Mate, in the film fair, the audio quality on the pod's not going to be great anyway so I'm yeah. sure you'll get away with it <laughs> that's the classic thing though. that's yeah, just an impression cigars. of Bryden yeah, doing, doing an impression, an impression of, of someone doing an impression yeah. Yeah. I'll just do Ray Winston Hello. now she was only 16 years old well as people may have guessed, we're here to talk about King of Thieves tonight. Robin Hood, King of Thieves. <laughs> Dave, Dave's absolutely cracking up at yeah. his own joke there. I'm just shaking my head. Um, well, should we say up top, as always, that there are going to be spoilers, but then can you really spoil a true story? Because this is a true story of the, uh, the Hatton Garden robbery. But anyway, yeah, if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to hear our review of it before you go and see it, maybe save this until uh, until afterwards. So we're assuming that you have seen it, but shall I just give a, a very brief synopsis just to uh, uh, refresh everyone's memory, make sure we're on the same page. This synopsis comes from Wikipedia. You may have heard of the online encyclopedia. A wiki. A famous thief in his younger years, 77-year-old widower Brian Reader pulls together a band of misfit criminals to plot an unprecedented burglary at the Hatton Gardens safe deposit. The thieves, all in their 60s and 70s except for one, employ their old-school thieving skills to plan the heist over the Easter holiday weekend. Posing as servicemen, they enter the deposit, neutralise the alarms and proceed to drill a hole into the wall of the safe. Two days later, they escape with allegedly over £200 million worth of stolen jewels and money. When police are called to the scene and the investigation starts, the cracks between the misfit gang members begin to show as they row over how to share the goods and become increasingly distrustful of each other. So that is the story. Actually, quite a lot of the story. Yeah, it sounds that, exciting. Yeah. that synopsis. All of the story. Um, we're going to give our scores in a minute, but um, Ollie, first of all, I think you're going to give us the scores from some of the online websites. Uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, Adam. Uh, so <laughs> Very formal. <laughs> the current IMDb score is six. The current Rotten Tomato score is 33%. It's 33%. And Metacritic is to be determined. 
Is that a bad sign that there's no score? I don't know why, because there's online reviews for it everywhere. So I don't know why it hasn't aggregated those particular reviews, but it says TBD, which stands for To Be Determined. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Has it been released in the US? Uh, Maybe not. I don't think it has yet. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I don't think there were that many reviews. I didn't didn't see that Mm. many reviews around. Well, now it's the moment of truth. Our scores. Who wants to start? Why don't we start? We'll start with Tony. Tony. Go on then. Out of 10, please. Five. Deep breaths. Dave? A four. Ooh. Ollie? It's a zero. What? No, 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 no. Come on, no, come on. It's a zero. You can't give a film a zero. I've given it a zero. It's written down. It is a zero. Zero? It is... I won't get started right now, but it's a zero. That's provocative. (laughs) At at best, provocative at worst. I genuinely nearly walked out halfway through but i didn't because we were doing this podcast if i had not been doing a podcast i would have left and that would be the first time that i ever left the cinema in the wow film. i'm flabbergasted by that but yeah uh, well we'll come mm. on to that okay i'm very much looking forward to getting into all of that i'm already angry like <laughs> just thinking about it before that adam what what did you give it i'm giving a it 10 a- <laughs> <laughs> 11. 10 out of 10. Film of the year. Uh, I'm giving it a 5.5. Wow. None of us none of us giving it huge scores, but I suddenly feel like 5.5 is a, you know, is very, very favourable review compared to 0 out of 10. I mean, that is... I've, I've genuinely got nothing good to say about it. Nothing. You were, I mean, you weren't even like mildly entertained for nope. any portion of the film, nope. not even like nope. the opening sequence. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But what about like... Like other terrible movies. What about you watched like Tomb Raider recently? <laughs> Tomb Raider was better than that, definitely. Well, but what about things like Birdemic? Yeah, but that made me laugh. Okay, this didn't once. Wow. I mean, I didn't laugh really in this. Well, either. okay, let's, I mean, but then that, yeah, let's take a step back and then, and we'll we'll get into <laughs> so it. Let's just, calm yeah. down. <laughs> so, Ollie, sit down. The first thing I wanted to ask is just this is obviously, as I mentioned in the synopsis... I feel like I've dropped an absolute bombshell. <laughs> you knew that was going to be a bombshell. Yeah. Well, I didn't know how it would go down, but I I can't... I genuinely... There's no... Sorry. It's very early days in the life of the podcast to be, you know, thinking about how we're going to, like... It's like we need we need new... What's the word I'm looking for? It's like we need to mix things up. We need some, like, big headline for people to take <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, suddenly he's... Come in with a zero out of ten. Blimey. Yeah. Well, yeah, so what I was saying, yeah, as indicated in that synopsis, this is a true story, a, a real heist on Hatton Garden uh, over Easter in 2015. Did you guys know much about this story beforehand? Uh, not Did a you sort huge of, were, were you aware of it at was, the time? Well, I was aware of it at the time, and because there's been another film about it, and I think a TV series as well, I'm aware of more of the details of it through that. Had you watched the other movie? Oh, there's two other movies actually already and a TV series. Oh, really? And three books. Uh, no, I hadn't watched it because it had, had reviews as bad as this one. Well, I mean, it was, yeah, I, we'll talk about like, oh, I think we'll talk about kind of true stories and their adaptations on screen, but it, because it was so recent and it was huge at the time, like as a news story, I guess Easter weekend anyway, it's quite quiet news uh, kind of period yeah, it was it was massive. So I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't know a bit more about it going into it. Yeah, Just... I, I I think I'd I'd got the impression that it was a more impressive heist 
well, that's, than the film makes out. That's my one of my main problems with it, is the tagline for the film is the unbelievable true story, but which actually turns out to be based on one of the most boring stories. <laughs> See, I think that, you've kind of missed the point there, I think, yeah. without being too strong. As in, like, the, the, the reason it was so... Shocking's not the right word. The reason, but the reason why it was so much interest in it is it because it was these old boys, because they did it over Easter weekend, literally by almost just walking in and walking out. Well, they literally walked in and out. Yeah. Mm. And because it, the Hatton Garden is quite like a famous, you know, it's a famous jewellery kind of quarter mm. or jewellery, you know, street or whatever it is. Uh, that it is, I guess the actual, the, 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 the interest in the story comes from the fact that it is these old, like old timers, doddery kind of former like hard men, but now kind of turned like, Mm-hmm. But that, but that's why I think I yeah. get that. But it was still for me a very boring story. I did not find it that interesting or entertaining at all. So I think on that point, that's kind of how I felt about it. it like it's a missed opportunity of a film. So taking aside the fact that it was based on the Hatton Garden job, what they maybe should have done is gone. Look at the group of actors we've got together. We could make an awesome old boys heist film and instead they were just like ah no we've got to base it on these Mm. characters who are all kind of not very nice people so they're all playing kind of not very nice people and and the high story isn't very exciting so kind of like like, use it as a launching point to come up with a yeah, like a M- more interesting sort of like exactly. a story, like a heist that's more involved inspired and, by right. that, but then create a new story. I like, no, I, just, I like the idea of uh, like you, you get in kind of four or five of the most famous, the legendary British acts of all time, and then you go, like, Now we've got you here, we actually want to do something completely different. <laughs> uh, but the but, best bits of the film were when they were just like having banter and it felt like they were playing themselves. Yeah, but that, but surely that the, the heist that the story portrays or that that the, it's all about, you know, if it was like an Ocean's Eleven style thing, you wouldn't have time for that banter because they'd be like, like abseiling into quarries or yeah, maybe not quite Ocean's Eleven from the film's marketing though. What Dave described before is exactly what I thought I was going to get. You look at the posters; it looks like an edgy, like cool thriller slash with a bit of comedy thrown in with obviously from the trailers and the actors and characters in the film. But I, I just think <laughs> it was so not what well, I thought I, I was going to be watching. Even the name King of Thieves suggests that it's going to be like, ah, the greatest robber of them all. Like, I know that obviously it's not it's based on a real story, but you know what I mean? It, it makes it sound more impressive. Mm. But then that's just kind yeah, of like but- a throwaway comment when they're having a cup of tea. They're like, oh, yeah, he's a top geezer. He's the King of Thieves. <laughs> it's like, what? Is he? Where does that come from? Did, so did you not know that much about this story then, Ollie? No, I'd, I'd, I had looked into, like, briefly looked into it, and I had heard of it before. Mm-hmm. And I was actually, because I'd seen the original, the first trailer which came out for it, because I, I saw the first one, and I actually really liked the look of it, and I was really looking forward to seeing it. Just because I'm with Tony, like, I've, I'm slightly surprised by you saying it's like an incredibly disappointing or really boring mm. story, because I, I think, you, yeah, I could see that if it was just like a sort of standard uh, run-of-the-mill criminal gang pulling off this, what is, yeah, like a fairly uneventful heist. But, but that, actually, but that's what it is. Yeah, but it's the fact that they're these old guys. That is the story. That's yeah, why they, it's interesting that they're these old guys. And then also the fact that, what, what and we'll come on to talk about this a bit more, but the the fact that it's it's not the case, that the, as happens in like Ocean's Eleven and that kind of thing, that the whole movie builds up to the heist at the end and the heist is like the 
finale, the heist happens straight away. And actually a lot of the movie is just the aftermath and the ramifications of it and how it affected them <laughs> and the <laughs> paranoia and stuff. Thing. But Ollie's not <laughs> having that. No. I just like, when you, when you, when you look in, when you sort of pick it apart, it's basically a group of old men pretty much wander into a jewellery shop slash store slash safe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. They shut the, system, the alarm <laughs> systems down with absolute ease. They, what, they drop down a floor in a, in a lift shaft, drill a hole through a wall, grab the stuff, leave, that's it. There's no... Well, yeah, but that's, that's why no, it was there's so no remarkable. Tension, no danger, no sense of jeopardy, nothing. It was so boring. But, but the other thing that made it remarkable is that, yeah, it was these old boys, there was no violence involved. It was just, you know, they came and went as they pleased during the robbery or the burglary. Mm. And it is one of the biggest heists in British history. Yeah, but it's just, yeah, I get what you're saying, that it's un- unbelievable as in what happened. But as a piece of entertainment, it's unbelievably dull and boring. A separate issue, I guess, is the fact that they didn't do a great job with making the film, but... I think the actual, I think the the, the, the story no, itself is quite interesting. Don't get written. me wrong. Like I'm sure if I not that I read, but if I read a book on the story, <laughs> you never learn to read. I might, I might enjoy the story more, but how the film portrayed it and how it all sort of yeah came like happened, like it was just. Oh, I know what you mean. So it, dull. I know what Tony means. Like it, it is an interesting story, but I think the way it's portrayed in the film is not particularly interesting. Is this partly uh, to do with... Because you, you, Ollie, do pay a lot of attention... Adam's got the big finger out there. <laughs> you do pay a lot of attention to uh, marketing, and like pre-release yeah. stuff for movies. Yeah. I don't so much. I'm, I'm actually, since we started doing the podcast, actively trying not to read much about movies or watch the trailers before we... So I knew this was about the Hatton Garden heist, but I hadn't seen a trailer. I didn't really know much about it at all. But I'm just wondering, were you... Did you have different expectations to me coming in because you'd seen the trailer i guess the fact yeah. it's called king of things you thought it was going to be a different kind of yeah. movie to the one that it actually Absolutely. turned out to be like as i said like the saw the original trailer the posters if you look at the posters for me the film that that poster market is not the film that i saw in the cinema so that was a big big letdown obviously like all the buzz around the actual group of actors the ensemble again i, I found that exciting because there's like obviously some sort of British cinema greats in there. But at the end of the day, it, it turned out to be an embarrassment <laughs> of a British film and an embarrassment to British film funding. And it's comfortably the worst film of the year and easily one of the worst films that I've ever seen. I'm really, really surprised that you hated it that much. Really, I, I did not think it was a great film, but I, I, I can't I believe that you it hated it that much. So much. <laughs> And uh, can I just say, this is this is the one thing which really, really bothered me in this film. Go on. Old men swearing is not funny. And what makes it even more infuriating is when people in the cinema laugh at that constantly <laughs> when they're in the in the safe. And I think there's a sign on the that says, like, members only. Paul Whitehouse says, are you a member? And then Ray Winston just goes, oh, I fucking am wow now, mate, or something like that, or whatever he says. And the whole cinema was just in uproar. And I was like, that's not funny. That's just Ray Winstone swearing. You say that. Definitely my favourite moment of the movie was uh, when Michael Caine comes down uh, in the morning and he walks into the kitchen and Michael Gambon's there for the first time. He, he goes, who's this? And Tom Courtney says, this is Millie's sister, Billy. And he, Michael Caine goes, 
Millie's sister Billy. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That properly made me laugh out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't find that funny. The other thing I'd like to say about the humour in it yeah. is that there are a couple of moments which were obviously angled or aimed at being comedic, comedic moments in that film. Again, Paul Whitehouse getting water on his jeans, making it like he, he wet himself, is not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's laughing. I actually, I found that bit quite funny. Uh, and well, this is a question that I had, though, sort of linked to the humour, or actually largely about the humour, is do you feel that they got the tone right? Or they maybe, to, to me, it felt like there was a bit of a misstep in the tone. And actually, weirdly, there's not hugely similar films, but we talked about a similar thing with The Meg on our last episode, that they maybe didn't get the tone right. They weren't quite sure what kind of movie they wanted it to be. Was it a kind of um, B-movie, more silly thing, or were they trying to do something more serious? And with this, I just wonder, you know, it seemed to me like Tom Courtney was very definitely, seemed to be playing it sort of straight comedy, whereas Jim Broadbent was maybe going for something a bit more sinister. And uh, was it that they just didn't quite know what film they were? had decided to make i think there was definitely an element of that there was something quite weird like because i unlike ollie enjoyed kind of like the humorous elements of the film that's where the bulk of my four comes from sort of sitting there <laughs> like laughing along with the old boys like and, a uh, fucking cat and you just well, yeah, yeah, like, you're like yeah bang bang these are hilarious moments needle in the bum <laughs> um, millie's sister billy oh but the thing i found really weird in the second half of the film was when jim broadbent and ray winston were going around being what I perceived to be supposed to be quite threateningly to people, but which just didn't come across at all threateningly. And there's a few bits in the film, I think there's a bit where, like, Michael Caine threatens Jim Broadbent. I can't remember what he says, but it's something like, yeah, if you do that, I'll beat you up. There was a lot of sort of, like, threatening people with, like, yeah, I'll beat, I'll do you, I'll get you. And it's like, well, there's no real threat there because you're all just sort of, like, rolling around having a laugh most Mm. of this film. Yeah, I think it did get lost a bit. I think, yeah, towards the end, I, I was starting to kind of look at my. I mean, it wasn't a long film either, was it? It was an hour and forty odd, and I was starting to forty long. I was starting to think at the end. <laughs> I mean, to, like Tom Courtney, I think sort of staggered off the set of the Guernsey movie, and his accent had only slightly evolved. From <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. It was kind of. It was still a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah a bit potato peel pie. A cup of tea. <laughs> I mean, it's tough, though, to watch a film for that long but not enjoy certain aspects of that casting. Mm. Like, they, they are, as, it's genuinely some of the best actors that Britain has ever produced in one film. And I agree yeah. that there's then a danger that you, the, the director can just go, well, look, we've got all these guys, so bang, I mean, job done. I mean, the director but, and the, the, those actors who presumably are in, like, a WhatsApp group must have just been, like, absolutely... Uh, like beside themselves when they read about the story because they were like oh this is brilliant like five I don't know how, how many involved five like old time kind of London uh, kind of gangster mm-hmm. criminals go and walk into a, a vault in the Hampton Garden and walk off with everything that's, like, that's just like they must have been like this is brilliant like yeah. cannot wait to to write a script for it I found I don't know if you guys did but the like development of the characters very shallow like we didn't really learn a, a lot about any of them in all fairness it was all very sort of ankle deep a particularly poor i thought poor performance from charlie cox he's the young guy he's the young guy he is he plays matt murdoch in the daredevil series on netflix and is brilliant in that in this i thought he was awful like just 
terrible. I didn't think he was that bad. No, I didn't notice anything particularly wrong <laughs> with his performance. I'm I watched the same film as you guys. Because, uh, there was one moment in the film which I liked, but I'm not going to say we liked enough to give it a mark. And that was at the end when they did the reel of the sort of actors from years ago. So when they showed clips of other movies. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I thought that That's was... That's what Patrick would describe as like the cheapest book, like cheapest trick yeah. in the book. But I actually thought that was quite well done. I did quite like that. And they, there's another moment earlier on in the film as well where they just suddenly show really short, sharp clips of like the 70s. And it's... Yeah. Mm. The only thing about that is when they're going through the clips of the actors in their younger days for like the whole cast they've got them in some gritty like gangster films and then it's Paul Whitehouse yeah. it's just a clip from the far show Whitehouse. where he's like dressed in a suit <laughs> they must have really been struggling to find stuff They're like Paul have you been in anything <laughs> remotely <laughs> the gangster even a screen test maybe is there anything you're not in or anything you're in where you're not Roly Birkin Cairo <laughs> Building on that a bit and the, the, the question of, you know, maybe they did they maybe get the tone slightly wrong? The film's actually got in a bit of trouble for glorifying the heist. I did send this article around to everyone on our thread, so I hope you've all read it. Um, an article in The Telegraph. Star-studded hat and garden film angers victims for glorifying the £14 million jewellery robbers. So um, victims, i.e. people who had their stuff stolen, much of which hasn't been, you know, restored... By glorifying, um, do you mean how easy it was? No, no, no. So making light, are, I guess. Yeah, people are really unhappy about the fact that it's portraying these characters as in some way heroes or people to root for in the movie. That it's like, and it's like a, as you say, making light of it. It's like a funny thing that these old duffers pulled this off, and like you know, good on them almost. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I what think. You think I, about that. So yeah, I think it does to a certain extent. But then that I think we talked about it, it's maybe only because of how recent it happened I think if you this exact film would come out in like 20 years time uh, yeah I don't think there'd be as many complaints and I, particularly in the film though as well there's there's a lot of reference to be like the fact that the stuff kept in that vault was maybe put there by dodgy people mm. so it kind of that's the way they paint it is like actually yeah there was sort of they those were thieves doing over other thieves effectively yeah or even if they're not directly thieves that they're yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's people that it may be hard to find huge amounts of sympathy yeah, for. Exactly. It's probably, it's probably not their only source of wealth, etc. I, I actually thought it was quite clever, and I've, I've, I feel weird saying such positive things with Ollie staring at me from just over there. What did you find clever but about it? What, one thing that I thought was quite clever was that um, to me, it felt like the movie wanted you to root for them up to and including the heist, but then after that you realise quite quickly that they're, it, or it comes to the fore more, that they're actually quite nasty people. Some more than others, but, you know, particularly like Jim Broadbent and, and Ray Winston. Like, up till that, it had been all kind of silly, messing about, oh, look at these old geezers. Um, but then after that, yeah, it's maybe not that menacing, but they're threatening each other and the paranoia sets in. And then I suddenly went, actually, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not rooting for them anymore. I don't want them to get away with this. Which obviously I know they don't, it's a true story, but yeah. I'd agree with that. Like when Michael Caine like comes back from, where, where's he gone off to? Like Margate. Hastings, Margate. Yeah. And he comes back and he's like, right, I'm going to sort this out. It's a bit like, mm, I kind of liked you when you just sort of like wiped your, you know, mm -hmm. the slate clean and left. 
But you're right, now that he's sort of coming back into it and all the other characters are going around threatening the other ones, Tom Courtney's character becomes more and more yeah. like two-faced essentially yeah i i may be giving them i may be giving it a bit too much credit but it felt to me as though the movie was almost like challenging you to say well you shouldn't have been rooting for them in the first place and it's you know we can maybe talk about it but it's like an interesting cut the whole concept of like people you root for in movies and books and things that you would never root for in real life but well actually i think that's a really good point because then the way that they are ultimately captured by the police feels a bit more like a nod to like a clever heist film mm. you know like when she's in the um like the roman baths like listening in on on their sort of conversations and stuff it's like ah that's actually yeah it's slightly more clever than what they and done. you're rooting for the police there. yeah uh, well yeah also towards the end of the film it does they do tease out a bit of the history of the the, the people involved and the fact that they've you know linked to murders of mm-hmm. deaths of policemen and stuff so uh, yeah I, I don't actually remember in detail the media coverage at the time and how much it did glorify it uh or whether they, the people were actually treated as kind of hardened criminals which they effectively were or are but yeah in terms of whether actually whether you're rooting for them i think well i think you still are even towards the end i mean and also at the very end it it kind of flips it again doesn't it and they're all like pals again and as they sort of walk in as they're trying to kind I of just, plot, I'd... plot their well, not escape but plot their kind of their future their weaseling because the development of them was so poor i can't say that i found myself rooting for them at all like i literally to quote ray ray winstone didn't give a fuck about these characters <laughs> and also the other problem was so i think just like is Winston. that they did not there was no jeopardy so is in there was nothing for them to lose i just f- thought that i know it's obviously the story but for me that just doesn't make for a interesting or like exciting or gripping what do you mean thing. there was nothing to lose like they could lose their what freedom. Yeah, but they didn't seem to care about that. And there's also the the stuff with the, there's a, a, like a small bit with Jim Broadbent and his daughter, where he goes round to her house. Mm-hmm. And again, it was just I just did not get a sense of jeopardy from it, from any of it. It just didn't feel like they were bothered that they could lose, like you said, their freedom or their family or whatnot. And it just didn't that didn't seem to be. To be fair, though, I, I think. To, to me when you you say that now that it how they played that out seemed quite natural i don't think like a bunch of old guys who uh had been in the game for for decades would behave much differently to that in my in my imagination anyway but it sounds like we're, we haven't said anything critical about it at all yet we've just been kind of praising it i do think that the whole thing was a, a, just a bit flat yeah in the end uh it was a kind of it was more like a tv yeah like a tv episode rather than a movie it was a bit like if you've ever watched uh hustle on bbc it was a bit like hustle meets alfida zane pet to me (laughs) kind of just a bit sort of bbc tuesday night nine o'clock but with obviously like a kind of superstar well superstar heavyweight a heavyweight cast yeah yeah. just the look of it it was just all yeah it didn't it wasn't very pretty mm-hmm. yeah i agree with you and it does feel a bit weird because like as you say we've given it four five and five point five but we, i feel like we sort of been backed into a position where we're having to defend it <laughs> yeah. more than i was expecting to when we came in i agree it, it flat is a good word for it but I after think. i after i'd seen it, i said someone i was like oh, i've just been to see king of thieves and they were like oh how was it and i was like what? i was kind of i don't really know mm. like mm. i didn't really know if i enjoyed it or not i was definitely checking my phone a few times mm. I had the same someone was like would you recommend 
I like I go and watch it and it was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Were you gonna say something? Yeah, like? I was just as as Tony started sort of hinted on, I was gonna just mention about how I thought the sort of production on the whole thing was so poor. <laughs> like I I just felt the whole thing felt really naff. Like the actual cinematography I thought was terrible there's some couple of instances where it was awful the soundtrack like the constant and nauseating like comedy crime caper lift music that kept playing in the background when these like just that did my head in i can't say that i've seen these films but i'd imagine that i'd think that it sits in the same kind of camp as a sort of sex lives of the potato men or uh run for your wife like the naffness of it i thought i just really thought it was really poorly put together and produced film i thought when you when you talk about like the design of the film and like set design and stuff i thought that was actually really good because i got a real sense of what these old men's lives are like like they don't all live in like glamorous properties only really like michael Caine did i i actually quite liked all that i liked how they were all dressed again like to tony's point it felt like that's what sort of old boy criminals would actually be dressed like and where they would be hanging out and what they would be doing so i felt like that was like an accurate reflection of the characters and the story in the film even if it wasn't like particularly like glossy or high-end but because the film wasn't trying to do that which like you i was i was surprised by but i I didn't think there was any sort of issue with it i wouldn't say that to the set designer or the costume Uh, designer i wouldn't be like that was rubbish because i thought you know it worked with what they were trying to do passable just to sort of revisit the bit what we were saying at the start just about the whole kind of premise and uh the the actual real life heist itself i wonder if maybe the film just kind of missed you know missed a trick in that way and actually yeah the fact it didn't get across to you guys about kind of why it was i mean they had that they had that sort of news cast reporter kind of thing which was just a really awful <laughs> impression of how someone i don't know whether at the very beginning uh, you're talking about after the heist oh right so yeah. after oh, the, yeah. the police okay. come in I, I, I don't know i just don't think it wasn't very kind of true to life is that. it is it an age thing though that if it had been us for doing it you know doing the heist early 30s doing the heist would it have been as interesting a story or is no. it the fact that there was old men doing well that's yeah that's exactly what we're saying so that's the yeah. only thing that made it interesting and also the fact the that the heist itself is not that interesting no no but and yeah the fact that so you would think that somewhere like a vault containing tens of millions of pounds mm. worth of stuff would be Mm-hmm. slightly more well protected than uh, yeah, allowing yeah, a bunch of old guys just to come in and out at, at will for three days yeah someone just turning up and being like oh, I've got a key by the way to this yeah, yeah exactly well the policeman as well he goes to inspect I mean I mean that's obviously what happened but just yeah, as you said being that kind of property in that kind of area you would have thought they would have done a bit more investigating as opposed to just looking through the letterbox as Tony and says off. that is one of the things that's astonishing about it mm. is that it wasn't, and it's a true story, so, you know. But that just doesn't make for a piece of, like, cinematic entertainment for me. I just don't find that, like, it's, it's obviously, like... Actually, it's an interesting point, because maybe, yeah, I don't know, it sort of screams it's a great story in a newspaper, but maybe, maybe yeah, it doesn't... It's maybe know, why so many people are attempting to... Because they think, yeah, off a newspaper, it sounds like such a good story. So many people are trying to tell that story, and no one is getting it right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe that it's not as dramatic a story as it seems. But, I mean, to me, I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with the story or the, the 
narrative that was told, I thought, yeah, it, would just, it just felt a little bit flat. Like that, I enjoyed some of the interplay between those great actors, but ultimately, a, a lot of it was quite clunky. And it was, and also, actually, having said some of those great actors, obviously, Michael Caine is Michael Caine, and Jim Broadbent's always good value. And I thought Ray Winston was pretty decent as well. Not convinced about Tom Courtney. I've not seen him in a lot, to be fair, but this year, having seen him in Guernsey movie <laughs> yeah. and this. I mean, he's really scraping the barrel this <laughs> yeah. year, isn't he? He's, he's got to be up for a Razzie or two. Like that is- yeah. And Michael Gambon as well is just... I mean, he, he doesn't have a lot to do in this, but he. I'm sort of predisposed now to not like Michael Gambon because I think his performance as Dumbledore is one of the worst <laughs> performances in any major oh, wow. movie. I thought you would like that. At least, like the most disappointed but that's because I you know I'm such a big fan of the books and the character of Dumbledore in the books and he just gets it so completely wrong it's really infuriating performance and he's you know subsequently admitted that he's never read the books and stuff like that so anyway I don't really like Michael Gambon but in this I just thought he was just kind of hamming around uh, <laughs> they were all hamming around yeah. <laughs> I mean I really like Michael Gambon but I feel in this like he was criminally wasted and it's come back to my comes back to the point that I was trying to make about if you're going to get all of these guys together, like maybe just make a different film because they're all such legends. Like with that cast, you could make an amazing old boys film. Being so strict to tie it to this story um, is a bit of a shame. I mean, in terms of the director, you know, he's got a pretty good CV as well. It's a bit of a misstep. James Marsh. Yeah, I, lo- I looked him up the other day. I can't remember what films he's done, but I remember looking at this going like... Recent uh, film, well, The Theory of Everything. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which was fantastic film. Man on Wire. The documentary. Mm-hmm. Good film yeah, as well. Yeah, amazing. Obviously something went wrong along the way. You made this. I wonder if there's an element of it's quite difficult to control those guys, those actors, when you've got them all together because they've been around in the game so much, if you're not also like a really old school heavyweight director, being able to get them to, to do whatever you want is probably more difficult because they're probably all like, just this yeah, young guy, flesh. a bit like they are when Charlie Cox arrives and he gets introduced to the gang. I wonder if they were all there like when the director came up. <laughs> being like, oh, what's this guy going to tell us to do? <laughs> no, nah, we don't do that. <laughs> James Marsh, fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. did you want to talk a bit about true stories before we end it i mean yeah very briefly my i think it's just kind of too soon i don't i guess there's probably a market well there is obviously a market to sort of capitalize on that kind of stuff quickly because people will forget about it but i don't know all too often now i think stuff's coming out too too quickly afterwards i agree there was a lot of 9-11 films that came out i thought way too soon after that and there's that film this year as well isn't there slender man which is about a murder that i think that only happened last year mm-hmm. and something like that and i find that's like for the victims family and friends and stuff like with this where you say like it's quite recent and the victims are upset it is it's quite it's quite close to the bone isn't it that someone's sort of taking that and and monetizing it and again if they're people who've not got anything back from let's say the heist like someone else is making money from it well earlier this year obviously the thai cave rescue they literally the day after the boys had been rescued they were they, i saw a news article about how there was a film studio planning a film on it literally the day after oh it. yeah but the thing about that though is i think like that is a feel-good story well it's not actually is it because one diver did die yeah so actually it's not a feel-good story. Well, uh, I mean, it's an amazing it's going to be rescue story, <laughs> yeah. obviously, but 
do we need a film about it? But there, there so. are something like people do want to see a movie of that. And there are some things that I think we would all agree that are going on in the news at the moment that we will want to see the movie. Like there's going to be some fantastic movies about the Trump White House, right? But I agree that when it's a sensitive story, like something about a murder that you were talking about there, or or even this that people are still very um, upset about and, you know, have had their life as, you know, there's been sort of suffering in their life as a result of. But it's also, it's not just the the monetizing of it, but it's also the sort of taking control of the narrative. And like so even something like we talked about on an earlier episode, we talked about The Post. So if you remember at the time, we discussed the fact that um, the New York Times are quite upset by the fact that they made that movie about The Post, as in The Washington Post, yeah. because it implies that The Washington Post was sort of instrumental in those um, Pentagon paper, in the Pentagon Papers expose, right? But actually, it was the New York Times that did all that work, and the Washington Post. The decision they had to make was whether to publish as well to repeat what the New York Times was saying. But it is now, as a result of that movie, it, to the general public, they're now going to associate the Washington Post with that story. So if you if you make a movie about a true story, change details which you inevitably have to to fit the the framework of the movie or because you get it wrong or whatever, or there's disputed versions and you choose one of them, to the wider world, that is now what happened. And if you're the victim of it and you feel that your story has been told wrongly, like that's also very upsetting and has a very lasting effect as well. Um, I mean, I don't know whether that people will feel that about this film particularly, but it is a, a challenge that you have to bear in mind. I mean, I was thinking about it like, like so many, there are loads of tr- movies based on true stories that I actually didn't realize were true stories. Go on. So, Jaws, Star Wars, Apollo <laughs> Thirteen. No. Um, so, like, I, I haven't seen this movie, so perhaps you'll say, "Well, obviously it's a true story." Goodfellas. Yeah, that's a good one. Obviously a true story. Uh, Catch me if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that was a true story. Yeah. The Pianist. Wolf of Wall Street Wolf is another of Wall Street, one. Yeah. What's interesting with those films as well, actually, is that a lot of those are, are real dramatizations of it, though. So something like Wolf of Wall Street or Catch Me If You Can is really played up for dramatic effect beyond, undoubtedly, what the situation actually would have been like. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this film that we're talking about feels like it actually tried to play it quite close to what actually happened so i don't actually know what's worse like what's better or what's worse almost the dramatization which is more ridiculous feels better and it would be like less offensive because loads of people were surely scammed by uh i can't think what his name is now belfort or whatever who's in the wolf of wall street but the way that film is portrayed like you do root for him even though he's a terrible character but then there's something like uh captain phillips for example which has the like the close storytelling and has the drama element, but it's all sort of brought together in a believable but not overly dramatised way, if you see what I mean. Like, it's... it's Captain Phillips, Paul Greengrass? Yeah. Because uh, just when we talk about 9-11 films as well, like, United 93 was is possibly one of the most harrowing things, harrowing films I've ever watched, I can think of. Yeah. And it's... that was pretty soon after, but actually it did... I do think that was worthwhile... Captain Phillips was, yeah, likewise, also also pretty good. But then I guess those, to a certain extent, those two stories are, you know, it, they're, they're situations that very, very few people will ever be in or kind of weren't at the time. The sort of this kind of true story, you know, I think the details were sort of more widely known, aren't they? So 
uh, there's maybe it's maybe a bit of a difference there. Is there anything else? Any final comments that you want to make before we bring this to an end? Ollie, you absolutely detested this movie. I can't believe you didn't even give it a one. Yeah. Like, like, I know, but not I've, even I've got to be honest. Like, I, I thought about this, and I'm still angry that I had to pay to watch that film. I just don't really... Like, the Guernsey film was, like, mm. such a bad film. I such a bad Guernsey film. film was, and yet, yeah, I gave that, that, I think, a three, mm. even though I really didn't enjoy... Like, I can't believe that you would I give it zero. In the film, whereas in this, there was nothing. You've really painted yourself into a corner now. <laughs> though, if Why? We, if we see some absolute stinkers, like you can't go lower than naught, can you? No, but you know, yeah, we'll, stand by it. I, yeah, I will stand by. I didn't. I just genuinely, I didn't like anything about it at all. I didn't enjoy a, like a second of it, apart from the the showreel stuff I said about the end with the actors. But the rest, of it, I just, I didn't join yet. I didn't laugh. I found it boring. I thought I didn't find the story that exciting. I just, the whole thing, the performances were called in. Like, it's the whole thing. You said you liked the guy that you were in the cinema with who was um, pointing and laughing the whole time. Oh, he loved it. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. And there were people in the cinema who were laughing all the time. There was quite a funny bit, actually, where the, you know, when they drill the hole in the wall and then the, the um, storage container thing, like, just topples over. There's a woman who just went... Oh no, it's going to fall over. <laughs> That's probably the tensest moment of the film. Just, uh, it really, did I see it on an off day? Maybe. I also went on my own to watch it, which I don't know, that can sometimes maybe change the way you enjoy and sort of digest a film because you, if you're going with other friends to see it, maybe you enjoy it more. I don't know. Will I watch it again? Absolutely not. Will I recommend it to anyone? Absolutely not. Uh, he's answering his own questions now isn't he it is yeah I just <laughs> tell I us what you really think I, I hated it I hated it and that was my reasoning for the, the zero score so what are we doing next well King of Thieves 2 <laughs> <laughs> we've got a lot of films to talk about mm. this autumn haven't we uh, we have I can't even remember what's that film that we're going to go watch uh, Star is Born that's it Star is Born First Man mm-hmm um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Halloween. Yeah, looking forward to Halloween now. Actually, I've changed my mind about that. Yeah, you yeah. were very negative about it when I spoke to you about it. Very yeah. negative. I, I Why have a, you changed your mind? I, I had a funny, funny turn that morning. I think yeah. we were talking about it. Yeah. Fantastic Beasts too. Yeah, you're very excited about Mortal Engines. Too, yeah, the new and Peter First Jackson. Man. I think I yeah. tried to avoid. Well, in the <laughs> cinema for King of Thieves. Uh, I did my best to avoid. It was so loud. The trailer. It was ridiculous, and it went on for about three and a half minutes. Just the trailer for yeah, first, first man. man. It was, but I managed to. I didn't perhaps a, a frame, and I tried to just concentrate. What I was reading. And not That's another to true dialogue. story that we'll be talking yeah. about. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I was really that. annoyed that we had to sit through the trailer. For that I was. Result. Yeah, I got. I got that trailer as well. I, I thought that would probably annoy, annoy you guys. I'd already seen it, so it wasn't. By the way, Tone. We didn't ask you, what screen did you see this movie in? Screen 9. Screen 9? Yeah, the Sunny World in Jersey. Way out in the sticks. Yeah. It was all right. What screen were you guys in? We were in screen 3, actually. Yeah, I was in 3. All right, we should probably wrap it up. Mm. Dave's got to go for dinner. Yeah, sorry. They're already waiting for you. (laughs) Yeah, I was supposed to be there. Literally now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, guys. I'm sorry you hated it so much, really. It's all right, guys. Sorry to dish out zero as well, but... Hopefully you'll enjoy the next one. Hopefully. Bye, everyone. Ciao. Cheery. Chowsies. (laughs) Chowsies.
Betty, Betty bought a bit of butter, but she found the butter bitter. So she bought a bit of better butter to make the bit of butter better. That was going well. Two, one, two, two. Betty bought a bit of butter, but she found the butter bitter. So she bought a bit of better butter to make the bit of butter better. Guernsey butter. Two missed calls from Tony. Boom. He's stuck. I bet he's stuck. Yes, he's stuck in traffic. He's phoning back. His beard had better be fucking trimmed, I'll tell you that much. Mate, where are you? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, where are you? Oh, fuck, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 he started so sad, he's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Hello, oh, wow, that was loud. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. I was just I was just phoning back because you were phoning me. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, I was just calling Sam on my on my way. <laughs> right. Calling to say you're still on your way. Is your beard neat? Yeah. yeah, it's neat. Yeah. It will have to be our fastest show. We haven't got a choice now. It will be. It will oh, be. be fine. It will be. It definitely will be. Gambon done. <laughs> <laughs>